the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America everyone and welcome. This is Karen Schoen and you're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I have to give them a plug, folks, because they are doing a terrific job getting our kids out of those public indoctrination clinics where they are learning nothing. This week, we saw some of the uh, scores come in. And if you go to the NAEP uh, website, naep.org, that's called the Nation's Report Card, and they do all the statistics as the test scores come in. Well, Florida scored near the top, so everybody was jumping up and down and screaming, yay, yay, yay. Uh, And one, they were even number one, and that was really terrific until you look at the scores. The highest score you can get is 500. Half of that is 250. Florida scored 241, and everybody was happy. So that's the new normal. That's why they do it this way, of what we can expect of the reading and writing and mathematical and and intelligence ability of our future generation. They cannot read, write, and do math when they leave school. And it is being done to them on purpose. And this is a very serious travesty because you can't go through life if you can't read. If you can't read, you are somebody's slave forever because you constantly have to ask them to interpret for you. And they're not going to give you your interpretation. They're going to give you their interpretation. So the most important gift that you can give a child is to learn, is to teach them to read. That's it. And math because the wool is being pulled over with all of these numbers that we see, these phony numbers and these statistics that are meaningless. Yes, the blue states are down. Imagine this. The blue states are down in uh, uh, violent crime. And the red states are up. So what do you think the Democrats are doing? Look, blue states were down in violent crime. Well, of course they are. They're not prosecuting anybody. But nobody reports that. We have very serious things that we're going to be facing. One of them is called the the 15-minute city. This is a city that is built with skyscrapers, And the bottom floors are the stores, and the middle floors are the offices, and the upper floors are where the workers live. So you never really leave your building. And if you do, everything is within a 15-minute walk. And to me, that's a self-imposed fence. And that reminds me 
of when I was growing up and we had what we called the projects. And after one year, the projects were filled with graffiti, dirt, feces, drugs, you name it, they were dangerous. This is what happens when people do not have a vested interest in what they own because they don't own anything and they'll be happy. We have a wonderful show today, and we're going to be talking a lot about what has happened in the past because it's so important that you understand what has happened so that you can recognize the pattern and not freak out when some moron says, oh, we're going to default on their debt. No, we're not. They made it up. Matt Gates is right. Show me the numbers. Show me where you're getting all of this information. Show me where America is going to run out of money. Show me where America is not going to be able to pay their obligations. And maybe some of those obligations shouldn't be paid by Americans. And this will give us a chance to look at that. In any event, today we are very lucky because one of the major things that we are facing in our country is communism. We have allowed communism to creep into our government, in our schools, all over. And we are now living the results of some of their failed policies, like affirmative action, like 15-minute cities, and like not learning the past so that we have nothing to compare what we are going to be getting in the future. Chris Wright has agreed to join us us. And I am real happy to have Chris aboard the show tonight. Chris runs the anti-communism unit, and I've been working with Chris for several years, and we are on a rhino hunt, which, by the way, the rhinos don't want you to use the word rhinos anymore. Uh, They seem to be censoring us too. Isn't that interesting? Chris, welcome to the show. It is always such a pleasure to have you on. Aaron, thanks for having us back. I founded the Anti-Communism Action Team, oh, 10 years ago, uh, to counter communist influence at home and abroad. And the focus 10 years ago was more abroad. And and as time has gone by, the focus is uh, steadily uh, turning towards the United States. There are more and more communist techniques being used. And uh, we are facing um, uh, challenges that we didn't face 10 years ago. And and the left is on the march. Uh, I do want to mention before we get to our very special guest tonight that the Anti-Communism Action Team, ACAT, has a website. It's at spiderinthefly.com with uh, hyphens between the words spider hyphen, etc. We have a free weekly newsletter of uh, anti-communist news from home and abroad. And we also have a speakers bureau. You'll hear from one of our speakers tonight. We're available for free anywhere in the world through video conferencing, and there are no speakers fees. And we have survivors of communism as well as subject matter experts. And you're going to hear from one of them tonight. And that's who we'll turn to next. We have with us tonight a survivor of communism and a book author. His name is Harold Seeger, and he was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party of East Germany. He was expelled from his work there for publicly declaring his faith in Jesus Christ, and he finally left there, was able to leave there in 1985. In the United States, he co-founded the Cincinnati Tea Party, and he uh, wrote a book about his life, 
in East Germany and the communist techniques in, in use there as a warning to all Americans. So we're going to hear from uh, Harold tonight. Uh, we're going to hear his his story about uh, life in East Germany under communism. And he's going to tell us a bit about his book. And he also has a new book that we'll get um, time permitting, we'll get into. So welcome, Harold. Glad you're here. Uh, the floor is yours. Please tell us your story. Thank you so much um, for inviting me and giving me the ability to um, shout out another warning to the Americans, even though it is really late. I started to speak out in uh, 2009 and uh, everything I've seen since is like, uh, we are still running in the wrong direction. And I, I actually feel we are accelerating instead of slowing down. So my story is, um, uh, I put it in a book because it is a relatively long story, just just not uh, uh, to explain in five minutes. And I would, I would just try to give the highlight. I was born in, actually in West Germany, in uh, in a small town near Hanover, about 50 kilometers east of uh, west of Hanover. And in 1956, my mother decided to move with her three children at this time over to East Germany. Uh, at a time where everybody who had his brain still functioning was moving in the opposite direction, uh, if they could. And um, so with that, I grew up in East Germany. I grew up, my mother married a second time. I grew up in a, what I usually call a dysfunctional family. And um, my stepfather was a drunkard. And uh, so for me, school and everything that had to do with school was an escape from that uh, uh, not really pleasant uh, home. Um, I used every possibility I could to have something to do with school and be out uh, out of home. Um, and that formed me. Um, I, I, I learned very, very good. I was always a good learner. I could uh, very fast grab the essence of uh, issues and subjects. And uh, so when I graduated from high school, I was a perfect product of the communist indoctrination. Now, what do I mean with communist indoctrination system? The uh, communist education is based off um, educating people from the smallest childhood on with the uh, intention of there is no individual. Everything is collective. You are nothing on your own. You don't you don't have your own requirements. You don't have your own personality. You don't have your own desires. Everything, everything what you what you want is in the collective. Is in the group. Is in the collective, and the collective has to has to strive, and the collective has to be uh, your your focus. Um, I I usually compare it with a. Uh, mushroom breed, you know, the, the mushrooms you have in the dark chamber. As soon as the mushrooms coming out of the of the dirt, they get cut off. And that is the same in communism. As soon as you are sticking out, you're attacked. You are not allowed to be different. So 
with that, um, and the indoctrination worked perfectly because your whole environment is this way. Your school is not just your school. Your parents are included in that indoctrination. If you fail in school to do what you are ordered to do, your parents will suffer. Um, if you get bad grades, your parents get redu reduced payments for their work. And uh, so it's a, it's a punishment for not training your people, for not educating your, your children in the um, ideology of the communism. So being a perfect product of that system made me also, based on, as I said, I have a very good ability to recognize and memorize subjects, and uh, I was always a good learner. I was also a very well-trained and almost fanatic, I would say, um, youth leader. I trained other youth leaders in uh, what was called agitation and propaganda. That was actually one of the functionalities in the youth organization and in the party. Uh, I became uh, very early on a party member. And my idea was, so I had, um, in addition to that being in, indoctrinated, I always had a disagreement with the party line to get everyone in line and force everyone to be in agreement. My general point of view was that if somebody didn't want to work with us and wanted to be with us as a communist, we should get rid of them. Let them go. Why are you, my, my main question was always, why are you shooting people who want to risk their life getting out of uh, of the workers' paradise on German soil, right? That was how the propaganda called it. It was the workers' paradise on German soil, and everybody was uh, happy to live there. So if people want to go away and even risk life to get shot dead on the why would you why would you stop them? Let them go. We we don't need those people. That was that was something where I always disagreed with, and uh, run into trouble for that many times. Even in school time, I had hours of debates with one of my teachers about the uh, idea I had developed to change from within, to change a system from within, being part of it and try to turn it in a different direction. And she argued, you can't do that. You can only change a system from without because if you are inside the system, you are tinted. You can't. You can't be objective. And uh, so I was kind of uh, on a on a pathway out of my communist ideology and thinking without really recognizing it. Then I was drafted because we have we had mandatory military service. So uh, after finishing college, I was drafted and I had to serve 18 months. And um uh, the East German Army had what we call red light. <laughs> that was a political education every month for two days. Every soldier and the NCOs uh, were for for a company or yeah, usually on company level would be uh, taken together in a room in a in a in a large room, and then some higher officer, usually a colonel, major or colonel would come in and would 
uh, tell us why we have to fight the rotten capitalist system uh, in West Germany. Why we, as the workers' paradise on on German soil, had the 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 obligation to free the other nation. And uh, one day there was a colonel uh, from I think he was from the headquarters uh, from the army command, and uh, so he explained the strategic operation in, in in case of a war. Uh, he first explained that we would know at least 48 hours before the uh, before the NA before NATO would attack us, we would know 48 hours before that happens because we had spies sitting directly uh, at the central or at the general um, secretary of the of, of NATO at this time and and later it turned out that was true. If that happens, we would attack first. And our work as or our job as East German military army would be to keep the Fulda Gap open, uh, attack the American, French and uh, uh, British troops to get this so-called Fulda Gap open so that the Russian army could, uh, the following Russian uh, army would go through and conquer the big harbors, Antwerp and Rotterdam because that was necessary to cut off the resupply of the American troops and the British troops in, in uh, Europe. And uh, one of uh, the NCOs said, uh, hey, what, what happens if we can't do that? I mean, I'm seeing every day when I go out how our equipment looks like. We have our cars broken down all the time. Our cannons are not firing. We have no spare parts. We barely have enough fuel to, to drive around. So how, how would we do that? And, and what is if we fail to do so? And the colonel said, if we fail to do so, we will get nuked. The Soviet troop doctrine is to, if we cannot keep the Fulda gap open, we will be nuked, and then the Russian troops following us, they have um, security or safety safety clothing and safety systems for their for their weaponry, for their tanks, and they will go through, and, and then it's open. Then we don't have to keep it open when, when, when everything is nuked there. Harold? Yep. Harold, let me pause you there. Let's get some reaction. I have a couple of questions, but uh, uh, yep. let's see if Karen has a question or comment first. Uh, no, I just find it incredibly uh, the same as to what is happening now and the fear mongering and the lying and the propaganda and the brainwashing and, you know, uh, all of these programs that don't work, are not supposed to work, they're just supposed to be expensive and then forcing these crises that they can control and through that control you. I did find it interesting, though, that the you included the parents in the school in as much as there was a you know action on a result and the result would end up on the parents if the child didn't uh, do well. And I think that in itself was a good thing only because it involved the family as part of the education system, which is what we don't have now because they're trying to erase the family. So I found that very interesting and that was a big difference. And I'm, it's criminal that you had to live through the things that you had to live through and we're glad you're here. Thank you. Okay. 
I was also interested in the uh, the school example, and uh, if the um, if the child does poorly in school, the parents get their pay docked at their job. I'm wondering if that worked in reverse. If the parents did a bad job, does that mean that the kids got worse grades? No, no, no. Um, so the, the the point was here: what they you you have to understand that every single workplace was under control of the Communist Party. There were no private companies. Right. right. Everything was nationalized. So they had a direct influence on on everything what your work environment betrif- b- b- uh, referred to. Also, it is not just the school education system. No, no. Your work system was completely controlled in the same way. So they wanted to have the students to be to behave as best as possible. And uh, now you still had students which didn't. Um, um, promote uh, A grades or something like that, right? C, C grade and D grades. But it was not so much your grade which was related to it. It was your effort to be as good as you could. Right, your attitude. According, right, your attitude according to your abilities. Does it say you something? Mm-hmm. That is exactly the background. It, it was not about... Um, making you more than you were, it was always according to your abilities. And if you did not perform according to your abilities, it was not only you who was punished, but also your parents. And uh, so that would lead to a to a circle back that your parents would take care of that the kids behaved as they should, according to the communist requirements. Did that answer your question? Uh, it does. And you use the term collectivism. Um, and I'm wondering if you see collectivism creeping into um, thinking in the U.S. today. Yes. Yes. Um, that collectivism has a different pain here. But it is at the end. And, and, and um, um, it it is a different it's a different color but it is the same sub- subject and the collectivism here is putting people into specific groups right we right. have we have the black groups and we have the whites which we don't like anymore and then we have the asians and then we have these and then we have the uh, homo homo lobo whatever i i can't even pronounce all these stupid uh, uh, things they have right so what 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 they are using here is not the collectivism as a people to be uh, a collective or a group of workers being a collective or a class of students being a collective here it is the artificially designed um what do you call it it's race it's race and ethnicity, and and, it, ethnicity and, and also the 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 behavior, their how they behave. So uh, mm-hmm. there is the group of the of the homos, and then there's the group of the transies, and then there's the group of the left uh, lesbians. And this well, is I, this. I, is I was I, I you made me think of something, and I think maybe this is why they are doing that. 
because in Germany, uh, even back by the war, they could force people to wear certain things. So if they wanted somebody to be a Jew, they gave them a big yellow star. They can't do that in America. You can't force somebody to wear something. Well, they, they will try. But re race is recognizable immediately. So yes. you know immediately what group you're in. And yes. this, I think, is why they chose race, because it was the only thing you can't change, and it's visible. And, and the next part is to separate people in smaller groups. You can mm -hmm. better control them. So yes. in, in East Germany, it was that collective of a class in a classroom or that collective of a workers group in, in, in a manufacturing plant. Um, and if you have these groups and you, you, you have a leading person in, this, in those groups, then you have a total control. And, yeah. and that, went, that went so far that the East Germans group created what they called uh, youth group, uh, youth brigades. And the youth brigade right. was a brigade, a worker brigade, where every worker was born after the founding of East Germany. So after 1949, they had to be younger than born 1949. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to hold that thought because yep. we are coming up on a break and I want you to tell everybody about your books and where they can find them. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell everybody your your book and so, where they can find it. And um, Chris, then we'll come back at the end of the break. Okay. So the the books are available on any major website like Amazon, Barnes & Noble's um, Books A Million. Uh, there are two books. One is called Freedom's Nightmare. And uh, that's my life story. And uh, I called it Freedom's Nightmare because when I came over here, I thought I'd get in a nightmare instead of getting free. And the second book is a, a fictional history, which I will explain later. Uh, it's called Then Living on My Knees. It's the second part of that famous saying, I would rather die standing than living on my knees. And uh, the fiction is that uh, it's, it's related to a planned massacre in 1989 in East Germany, which never happened. Um, both books are available on those websites or on my personal Outdoors website, which is called Outdoors, uh, no, Outdoor, no S, A-U-T-H-O-R-H-Z-I-E-G-E-R. -E -E okay. And Chris, where can everyone find you? Uh, we are, again, the Anti-Communism Action Team. Our website is spiderinthefly.com with hyphens between the words. Okay, and folks, you are listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Go and learn about the micro schools and how your child can benefit from learning the truth and learning to read and learning to do math. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system 
that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has. Creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com seven amazing years we know that if america fails the world will fail it is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty america out loud talk radio the liberty and justice for all hello everyone welcome back this is karen show and you're listening to the prism of america's education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Also, my wonderful sponsor, which is the Florida Citizens Alliance, and that is goflca.org, help a kid learn to read. And the Alliance has what we're calling the micro school, people working together. The results in the children are amazing. As always, children need to know history. So we're going to flip right over to Harold and finish up, unfortunately, with what was going on in East Germany. And then, all right, Harold. Just a little bridge over to Chris. Uh, East Germany used a lot of drugging to make their female swimmers able to win every single competition. And they did that with giving them male hormones to a point where many of those women are not women. Chris will will probably go into the details there. I just want to wrap up my story. So my second book, which I wrote, Then Living on My Knees, starts with the event in, or it starts around the event of the uh, collapse of East Germany in 1989, based on a story which I found in the newspapers. Most Americans are familiar with the Tiananmen Square in 1989. Most Americans know about it, but they don't know what really happened there. There were several, I think over 4,000 people were killed, murdered, mortar machine guns and uh, tanks. It was not just this this one famous picture where that one student stand in front of the tank and the tank uh, moves peaceful forward or so. No, 
in the side streets, people were massacred. And there was one government in the whole world which applauded the Chinese communists for doing this, and that was East Germany. At this time, Honecker was removed from power, was replaced by what we always called the crown prince, Egon Krenz. He flew to China in September 1989 and congratulated the Chinese communists for their decisive action against counter-revolution. And when he came home, he gave an interview to the leading newspaper in East Germany. At this time, it was called The New Germany. And he said, this is what needs to be done with all the counter-revolutionary movements, even though in our country, if you remember at this time, uh, early fall 1989, Every single large city in East Germany had the Monday demonstrations, as they were called. Uh, Thousands of people would collect around the church and would uh, pray first in church, and then they would move out and would walk around the church for roughly an hour and would scan it. And one of this, which came really popular at this time, first it was, we are the people. They would march around the church for over an hour and would constantly issue that statement, we are the people, we are the people. Later that changed into we are one people, referring to the required or requested unification of both Germanys. The communist leadership at this time was just replaced and the so-called young leaders, they weren't young anymore, but anyway, they were much younger than the old ones. They wanted to experience the power the others had had for 40 years. And so they ordered a battalion of paratroopers to be moved to the largest uh, demonstration area that was at this time Leipzig. And uh, so they were they were moved, a battalion of paratroopers were moved to Leipzig and they were ordered, or the, the, the colonel, the commander of that paratrooper battalion was ordered on the next Monday to use little force to stop the demonstration. After two days, he commanded his battalion to go back to the barracks and he refused to execute that order. The rest is history. Based on that historic fact, I developed a story. What would have happened if he would not have refused that order? What would have happened if he would have executed that order? So I I built the story up from uh, springtime in 1989 where the communists realize that they have to do something to get the people calmed down and stop those demonstrations. Most of it is fiction, but it is based on a real order which was given and never executed. The main reason why I think it is for the, is interesting for Americans too is, first of all, I developed an idea how a resistance can be built up in that book a secret resistance. And secondly, the idea, many many Americans still believe that the United States Army in its entirety is a people's army and has sworn an oath to the Constitution. But I think that is to the large extent history. The American uh, military forces are governed by top leaders which are extremely biased, which are partly even, in my opinion, communists, or at least uh, admirer of the communist idea, based on that having total power. 
Um, the army itself has been destroyed or at least to a certain degree devaluated with all these ongoing woke uh, incentives. And now we have even recruiting officers who are transies, recruiting transies for the army. So I, I, I think this book is also a kind of an uh, idea delivery, what might come and how Americans can be prepared for that. And I give my word over to Chris. Okay, thank you, Harold. Karen, uh, do you have any final comments on uh, what Harold has said before we go on to uh, transgenderism? No, it's just sad to see the similarity and to realize how ignorant the people are because they haven't been taught about what goes on. And they have been taught a romanticist side of communism, which we all know doesn't exist. So this is going to be a long and winding road, as they say. And hopefully the people will learn along the way and be resilient enough to step up and start fighting for our country, because otherwise I see the same path of devastation and destruction. So thank you again uh, for joining us. This was really terrific, Harold. I appreciate it. I'm sure, thank Harold. You. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to, you know, to try to educate people. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Harold will have some comments on what I'm about to say, but if we uh, if you're ready, Karen, we can launch right into transgenderism. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, so what what do these two halves of this program have, have to do with each other? We have a discussion of East German communism, and now we're going to talk about transgenderism. Well, there are two two linkages, at least two, that I can see. The first is that uh, there is a video, and I want to say that I, I wanted to talk about this topic tonight because I've created a, um, a portion, a new section on my personal website, liberato.us. That's L-I-B as in boy, E-R-A-T as in Tom, O.us, liberato.us, called Transgenderism on Trial. Uh, so far, they've gotten a free ride, but I think that lawfare, lawsuits, has have the potential for bringing down the entire transgender industrial complex. So I've created a section on my website that deals with that. And the first thing that you'll see if you go there, uh, Transgenderism on Trial, is a video from four trans activists talking explicitly, openly, and expressly about how the purpose of transgenderism is to usher communism into the United States. They make no bones about no bones about it. Uh, this is what they're about. This is what the true agenda is. So that's uh, the first linkage between transgenderism and communism that I can see. The second linkage is that Marx, Karl Marx, loved the Hegelian dialectic. Now, you may have learned in college about thesis, synthesis, no, thesis, antithesis, synthesis and that was presented to you as being the dialectic well it's not the hegelian dialectic that marx is like so the way the uh, hegelian dialectic works is you start with an original idea there are only two uh, biological sexes male and female and then you run a contrary idea against it gender is only a social construct so there are 57 genders and you run this through 12 iterations or so until the original idea is destroyed and the communist idea is the one that's left standing so that started with um uh transgenderism uh oh it'll be non-binary so 
uh, and then it grew into 57 genders. And, and I'm sure before this is over, we're, we're going to see further evolutions because the way the Hegelian dialectic works is it's not thesis, antithesis, synthesis. It's thesis, antithesis, 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 until the original idea is destroyed. It's a communist technique. They used it. Uh, it's the part of the communist playbook. They they use it uh, everywhere communists operate. And it's in use in the United States today uh, with the subject of transgenderism. Now, back to my website, um, to the to the end of um uh, bringing down the transgender industrial complex through lawfare. Uh, my goal is to foment more litigation to bring bring this down. And so what my new section on my website does is that we track news developments. There's been quite a lot of news in the last couple of months. It's beginning to beginning to catch on. Uh, lots more lawsuits being filed. We have a big list of law firms and legal resources, uh, people who are actively engaged in this kind of litigation. And we provide parental resources. We've got not just books and movies and uh, uh, books, articles and videos, but we have organizations that are that run support groups and such and the like. Uh, there's a 66-page guide for uh, parents who are uh, confronting this issue. They have a small child coming to them saying, I, I think I'm a boy or I think I'm a girl when they're obviously not. And so what do parents do when they're faced with that? And there is social contagion going on. So more and more parents are facing this. And they are also facing not only their child presenting gender dysphoria, as it's so-called, but they're facing a whole panoply of experts, teachers, school administrators, principals, psychologists, social workers, um, who will all line up uh, behind this and say, oh, you need to allow your child to transition because uh, your child really is of the other gender. So I have a lot of resources on there uh, about uh, helping parents how to deal and navigate through all that. Now, why am I doing this? Well, first, let me say there have always been transgender people and no one should hate them. But that doesn't mean the government should deliberately set about creating more of them, that transgenderism should hold sway over public policy or that the tail should be wagging the dog in any way. And I'm doing this because I, one of the most tragic and heartbreaking things I've ever read was the story of a 15-year-old girl. She went uh, for a uh, uh, gender transitioning. She had the, the top surgery, uh, double mastectomy. And then she went to her doctor three months later saying, I've changed my mind. Please put my breasts back on. Well... I'm sorry, but these kids clearly don't understand what they're getting into. So don't tell me they can grasp what it means to be sterile, infertile, never have children, or that they're signing up for a lifetime of drugs and doctor's appointments. They clearly don't understand any of this. And this is why we protect young people, we protect children, and we don't even let them to consent to car loans, much less life-altering and irreversible surgery of, of this kind. I'm fully convinced the people who are doing this are evil. They are either communists, avowed communists, like the transgender activists I told you about earlier, and they're using transgenderism to usher communism into the United States, or they're con artists selling snake oil just so they can make a buck. They all have a big conflict of interest, financial conflict of interest. So um, sex change surgery was a $2 billion industry in 2021. The maker of the puberty blocker Lupron made $726 million in 2018. So, and the numbers have only gone up since. So this is very big business. 
Now, on the litigation uh, that's going on, I, I think it's astounding what happened in Missouri. You may have heard, uh, Karen and Harold, of the transgender whistleblower who worked at a gender clinic in St. Louis. And she, yeah. uh, uh, this person, uh, blew the whistle and said all kinds of things were going on at that clinic that were, that were not so great. She, uh, this person said the whistleblower said the children are be get, being given puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones without assessing their particular cases. And they told their parents that such assessments were being done when they weren't. Children, in some cases, were being uh, given these drugs without parental consent or even after consent had been revoked. The drugs continued even after the patients reported adverse effects from taking them. Uh, an, unstead, an unstudied pancreatic cancer drug was being prescribed because it can grow breasts, even though it can and does poison the liver. So all kinds of bad things were going on at that clinic. Uh, the whistleblower said, we lied to people all the time. These doctors would push and push and push. And somehow the doctors thought that was good consent. And uh, consent was lacking because the clinic failed to inform kids about the foreseeable adverse effects and consequences of trans transgender drugs and surgery. And there are words in the law for actions like this words like undue influence and fraud. So uh, what's going on in Missouri is a whole of government, whole of state government effort that's come down on this clinic. They're investigating it from top to bottom, and uh, there will be either civil enforcement actions or uh, there could even be criminal cases brought about what's going on there. And there, uh, that's just one of the things, one of the situ new situations that's going on that's pushing back against the transgender industrial complex. Um, in another uh, another section of the website, well, let me let me pause there and see what kind of reaction I'm getting from uh, you two uh, about what I've presented so far. And let me let me finish by finish this part by saying this is unique. Nobody's put all this information together this kind of information in one place. So I'm really hoping it becomes a hub for people to uh, go and becomes quite a resource for parents and people looking and, and for more plaintiffs to bring more suits. So Karen, uh, let's start with you. Uh, what do you think about what I've said so far? I think that we need, I agree with you, we need to be suing them. We need to be, uh, what they're doing is child abuse uh, on that part and they have no right to do this I, I was when you were talking i was wondering what about rico aren't they violating that they've gotten all these agencies to come together and to uh come together against the people and present lies when does it when does it become that it's enough that we're tired of being lied to and when you lie to that's wrong well, Why Rico's, are we accepting that? Rico is a very interesting possibility. That's the racketeering and in, in, yeah. uh, influencing of corrupt organizations act or something like that. It's a civil gives a gives rise to a civil cause of action. And uh, if you can put to, it was originally directed towards organized crime. So if you've got a, a group of people and different entities and different people that are that are putting together a corrupt enterprise, then RICO uh, should certainly be looked at as a plausible legal theory upon which to found legal action. And what's interesting about what you say, Karen, is because in this Missouri situation, somebody criticized the whole enterprise for being a school-to-clinic pipeline. 
So what's going on there is that the schools are uh, hiding this from parents. They're pushing the kids into thinking they're the other gender. Uh, they're confusing them. Uh, and then when the kids say, oh, I'm confused, then say, ah, off to the clinic with you. So there's, there's a school to clinic pipeline operating there. I'm hoping that the Missouri Attorney General uh, will take a close look at the money flows and maybe there's there's kickbacks. I'm theorizing now, but uh, I would imagine it's plausible to, to theorize that there would be kickbacks coming back from the clinic back to the school administrators for making those referrals. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. The whole thing is corrupt. I would definitely agree with you on that. And I read that, uh, think about Planned Parenthood. They were making money from abortion, but an abortion is a one-time deal. Uh, you have an abortion and you know, hopefully you're okay after that and you don't go back again. But transgenderism is you're there every month taking medication. Uh, they, they, the Planned Parenthood projection was, I think they said, $5 million the first year and then $50 million by the third or fourth year. I don't, don't quote me on the numbers, but it was an astronomical jump. So well, this, right. is, this is all because of money. That's all. They don't yeah. care about people. Yeah. No, quite right. Uh, Planned Parenthood is moving into this. Let's go ahead and get a comment from Harold next. Go ahead, Harold. Yeah, um, it it seems to be that there is a whole industry developed around it. Just when you think, just the other day, Target started to sell clothing to children, to toddlers, for for toddlers to uh, uh, promote their tr so-called transgenderism. And uh, I, I mean, I, it's just horrible what they are presenting. Uh, little toddlers should run around it. And I, I, I can't imagine that parents would do that to their own children. On the other hand, I mean, I have seen them carrying their children into the uh, injection clinics for that uh, horrible mRNA injection. It was at this time already known that that is a deadly injection for many. So um, propaganda, I mean, propaganda works very well. That's all what it is. It's propaganda to make money. That's all what I think. And it is horrible that parents would do that to their children. It's even criminal if the parents are not even involved in it. What I'd like to do next is put three more ideas on the table and come back to uh, to, to you both for reaction. The first is, uh, there, I also put a video on the site, liberato.us, Transgenderism on Trial. Um, and it's a woman who does a long explanation of, of origins of this kind of thing. Uh, she talks about transhumanism and, and making making it so so that people that really changing the definition of human beings, et cetera, et cetera. But the point of her 30 minute video that interested me was uh, she said, look, this used to be an adult topic. People didn't really get into this until they were 18 uh, and older. And so that uh, the the notion of the transgender child had to be invented and they invented it so that this whole ins ins insanity, uh, all the insane things that are going on now, uh, all of that could ensue. So this was a uh, 
an invention, an enabling invention that that uh, made the whole thing take off, and it would not be possible without the invention of the transgender child. So that was one idea I wanted to put on the table. The next is that your federal government is deliberately promoting this, uh, deliberately promoting social contagion and the creation of more transgender people. We have uh, Biden's HHS under the guise of so-called gender-affirming care now promotes medical interventions such as drugs designed to block puberty, opposite sex hormones to transition children, both of which do not have FDA approval for use in children's uh, for children, and even surgical inventions uh, interventions to remove or alter uh, gender-specific anatomy. And then we have our HHS Assistant Secretary, Rachel Levine, who is a biological male, transgender, who said gender transitioning children through drugs and surgery is normal, should be considered normal, and has the highest support, the highest support of the Biden administration. And then we have Biden's Justice Department that has warned state attorneys general not to interfere with the rights, the so-called rights of transgender youth. So we have a federal government that's gone gone pedal to the metal uh, promoting all this. Then the third idea I wanted to put on the table is that uh, when these experts are lining up and confronting the parents and telling the parents that they must uh, allow their child to transition, what's happening is it's a very high pressure environment. And uh, one of the things they're telling the parents is your child will commit suicide if the child is not allowed to transition. Well, that was based on uh, an original study. And what happened uh, subsequent to that study was that other researchers went in, looked at the original data, and pointed out that the original data showed that transgender drugs and surgery made no improvement, no improvement in depression in the kids who were studied. Now, on hearing that news, the University of Washington, which participated in the original study, decided to keep quiet about it instead of correcting the inaccuracies and correcting the record and going back to their media sources uh, where they had trumpeted this study and all the findings and correcting uh, 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 the things that were wrong. They didn't do that. They just stayed silent. Well, they're going to unfortunately do that. That's they're never good. They never admit to a wrong. And what we have to continue to think about is whatever they say, we know they're lying, think the opposite. So if they say that transgenderism uh, will stop suicide, think the opposite. Everything they're doing, think the opposite. They are lying. They continue to lie. The only thing they care about is money, power, and control. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So, Chris, you're going to have to come back, and maybe Harold can come back also, because this was an incredibly interesting and important conversation If we don't know what happened in the past, we can't understand what's happening today, and we can't do anything then about the future. And it's up to us to learn and then to be able to share that information. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell everyone where they can find you. Again, my new section on the website is Transgenderism on Trial. It's got litigation resources, parental resources, and news developments, all the news uh, on the subject. And it is at liberato.us, L-I-B as in boy, E-R-A-T as in Tom, O.us, liberato.us. Okay. And Harold? Yeah. uh, Thanks for having me again. Uh, I think it is extremely important that what you are doing with uh, getting the children to be able to read, to read books, 
Um, I encourage parents to buy books, real books, not just online, because everything that is online is electronic, and electronic can be changed. That's what they did with the history online. You have to have printed books so that they that cannot change them. The truth, they 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 fake the history, and they will do it in future. And if we don't know our history, we are doomed to repeat it. That's a very old saying. So thanks for having me, and I encourage everybody buying the books or go on my website, as I said, outdoorhtheater.com. Um, send me a message, and I will, sign, I will send you a signed copy. And uh, that's all I can say. And Thank, thank you. Again. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for joining me. Folks, this is very, very, very important. They are trying to change our culture by destroying our children. I can't even impress that enough, can't say that enough. Please share this information, act upon it, make sure that you know what your child is doing and who is doing it with them. And by all means, get your kids out of public schools. They are horrible. Do it now while you still can. Thank you all for joining me. This is Karen Schoen. You've been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Go FLCA.org. See you all again next week.